Welcome to Painting Corners, your weekly podcast for all things baseball. Now, here are your hosts, Austin Hartsfield and Dave Kwiatkowski. Alan Yamashiga joins us from Dodgers Digest to talk everything Dodgers, top to bottom, whether it's Corey Seager's injury, the possibility of Harper Machado possibly coming to L.A. Hope you enjoy it and let us know what you think. Who's going to be your starting day catcher in 2019 on opening day? Right now, the only person I can see that would do it is Austin Barnes. The dude can't hit anything. Do you guys go out to Grandal again? Is there another free agent? Are you waiting for a prospect? What are, you, what are your thoughts? So predicting who's going to be the starting catcher 2019 is pretty much impossible. As of right now, it's uh, Austin Barnes. So they could bring back Randall. They could try and put a package together for Real Muto. There's a lot of things they can do. Um, in regards to Barnes, he was pretty terrible in 2018, and he was incredible in 2017. So, you know, if his true talent lies somewhere in between, that's probably something they would be comfortable with. But I have no idea if that's what they think he can do. Do you think it's a good idea to go out to Rio Muto and unload more prospects since you guys have been doing that the past two or three years? Or do you think it's better off trying to get a free agent or stick with Barnes? See, that that's tough to say as well because it depends what they think about the entire roster. If they think that they are going to stand pretty pat with what's remaining, they can afford to you know spend the prospects, whatever it costs, to go after Rio Muto. But it also seems like Miami's been asking for a ton. Yeah, they're asking the world. Yeah, so, you know, it depends if they flex on that or not. Uh, The Dodgers could definitely afford to do that. They have a lot of um, MLB-ready guys in the minors. They have a lot of outfielders in the majors. So they could probably afford to do it. And he's probably the best catcher in baseball. So that would be, you know, that'd be an expensive move for them. But, you know, if, if that's worth it to have the best catcher in baseball, then... Fine by me, right? Yeah, I mean, hey, if it's, you're going to get the best, you might as well do it. Definitely be an upgrade from Grandall. I mean, at one point at Dodger Stadium, the fans were chanting, we won Austin, which it being my name is awesome to hear. But, you know, it's you kind of feel bad for Yasumani, just how bad he was behind the plate during the playoffs. And he was he was basically Gary Sanchez. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's funny how quickly the name Gary Sanchez ended up like that. But that's pretty much what happened with Grandall in the postseason, also last postseason as well. And, uh, yeah, it's just unfortunate because when the Dodgers were back in L.A. in the World Series, essentially batting two pitchers, eight and nine, no matter if Barnes or Grandall is hitting, they were both pretty much automatic outs at that point. So it's tough to win when you only have seven actual hitters. Literally how Red Sox fans felt half and probably 90% of the year just – the the catching the catching position was just an absolute black hole when it came to hitting. They were just good enough to behind the plate to kind of make up for it. Yeah, see that was so crazy because following that in the postseason, uh, Grandal was maybe the second or third best hitting catcher in all of baseball last year, and he has a track record of being a top three offensive catcher as well. And I was looking at Vasquez and Leon and. Those two were some of, if not the worst hitters in all of baseball across any position. And come postseason, they both out hit either of our catchers. So 
just baseball, you know? Baseball is so weird, man. Yeah. Uh, let's go to first base, a guy that I really, really like. Uh, he's a launch angle guy. I mean, everybody's kind of becoming a launch angle guy now. I'm not a big one myself, but Cody Bellinger's a monster. Like an absolute monster. He can, <coughs> sorry. He can play the outfield. Can play first base. What are your thoughts on Cody? He's obviously the first baseman, or he's a part of the system for the future. Uh, what are your thoughts on Cody Bellinger? Yeah, so Cody's a total stud. A lot of people refer to his 2018 year as, you know, a slight down year. Uh, he was still really, really good. Just a slow and, start, really. Yeah, I mean, and after that, so he doesn't have the same power that he had in. 2017 but you know it's normal for a rookie to really come out extremely hot and kind of settle down after that um so he's obviously you know a top first baseman moving forward the only thing is that max muncie can pretty much only play first base so cody's incredible so he can play an above average center field which is insane but his natural position is definitely first and he's He's a gold glove caliber defensive first baseman. So that's one of those kind of log jams that has to get figured out this offseason probably. Uh, but if Cody's at first where I think he's best suited and I think he's also most comfortable, that's probably the best setup moving forward. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think he's I think he's a stud. I think like you said, you know, you got a sophomore slump in there. People kind of figure you out after a little bit and he's got to adjust, but he'll he'll be better. He showed flashes. Uh, I think he's better off suited at first base as well. Someone that kind of jumped on the scene and is a not the pounce. stereotypical. Yeah, pounce is even a better word. Not your stereotypical looking second baseman, but he's an athlete out there. Max Muncie. I mean, you got to think he's going to be your second baseman moving forward, right? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, uh, we traded Willie Calhoun to Texas for you, Darvish, right? And when you're following the minor league prospects, Everybody says Willie Calhoun can he can really 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 hit, but he, he might be the worst second base defender in the entire league. So Willie never came up with the Dodgers, but Max Muncie pretty much is what you expected Calhoun to be on like another level. So at second, he's it's it's pretty rough, but for a bat like that, you can probably deal with any sort of defense and be okay with it yeah yeah i would say so i mean he wasn't awful in the world series either he actually made a couple decent plays i didn't watch him all year so i don't know how bad he was like year to date with his errors but he's a younger guy i'm sure he can move i'm sure he can adjust to it he's athletic he was playing some different positions so i mean he, he's he got a bat right and especially in the national league you guys led the league led the national league at home runs this year and you know if the yankees didn't do what they did you probably would have led the mlb so to have him there is great, and I mean, it kind of just fits the mold of that whole infield because you have Bellinger who hit, tries to hit bombs all the time. Monty can, can hit bombs, and after that, at third base, obviously you're going to have Justin Turner over there who's been a godsend since he's got to L.A. Yeah, I mean, so if Muncy can hold up half of what he did last year, that still might be the best offensive infield in the entire league. And uh, Turner might be the one with the least home runs out of that entire group. So, yeah, he really might be. Yeah, so that would be pretty incredible. There's a lot of things they can do 
at second if they don't like uh, Monty's defense going forward. Uh, it's just, it's a good problem to have, but the major league roster is getting kind of crowded, to be honest. Oh, and we're, we're, we'll talk about that when we get to the outfield, because that outfield is absolutely ridiculously crowded. Oh, yeah, don't don't worry. I got I got things to say about the outfield. Idea, idea about second base, right? It's going to sound a little weird, since we don't really have another shortstop. Corey Seager's coming off of Tommy John surgery, which is very weird for an infielder. You know, we're seeing it a whole lot more and more. Is there a possibility that Corey could play second? I mean, it's a whole lot whole lot less stress on that arm, plus it maybe extend him, plus you have a, a good defensive second baseman now instead of just Max Muncy. Right, yeah. So, perfect world, yes. I say Seager to second. It makes sense to me. You know, his injury came from throwing, so it's obviously easier on the arm. But I have a hard time thinking he would be okay moving there. And of anybody on the team, he's the one that you need to keep the happiest. And yeah. he he was still a good defender at shortstop. And as big as he is, that was impressive. No, so, he's a plus defender for sure. Yeah, which is relatively surprising. So he, assuming he can play the same, he has no problem throwing, he's the shortstop moving forward. Although, you know, in a different universe, moving him, to second and then somehow re-signing Machado to play short that's that's insane and I could see that happening in like a very 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 small scenario but yeah that's pretty much the only scenario I see Seager moving to second so since I'd rather I was I was gonna say I'd rather see Chris Taylor at shortstop and Seager at second I think Chris Taylor is a phenomenal athlete and could definitely play shortstop college teammate of Steven Bruno by the way yeah, I mean, Chris. I love Chris Taylor. I think he's a great player. I think he's an unbelievable utility guy. And just a thought, though. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I either way you put those two guys between short and second, totally fine, I think. I mean, I think they're both capable of either position. Then it's just like, to, where do you put Muncie, yeah. though? Well, that's when you can move Muncie to first and put Ballinger out, back out in the outfield. And then make right. that outfield that much more crowded, too. DJ LeMahieu, he would be a good-hitting second baseman with a... Plus defense. I mean, he's one of the best second basemen in baseball, in my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts on maybe bringing DJ LeMahieu to the, to the Dodgers? Yeah, I think I think a brief look into it for me was that I think LeMahieu is the best defensive second baseman in the entire league. Right. And I think I think he probably has been for a couple years now. And that's not nothing. You know, a lot of teams are sacrificing defense for offense and there's something to be said for the opposite i think the main the second baseman you're going to see you're going to see muncie you'll see taylor and you'll see hernandez at some point and that's assuming that there's no free agent additions or no trades made to address that position so alan we have the outfield here it's crowded outfield for sure you guys got a few people there that can play right now you got a few people coming up in the pipeline you got an old guy that an old friend really matt kemp who you guys shipped away basically for, for nothing just to get him out of your hair. Comeback player of the year, though. <laughs> Comeback player of the year. Comes back as an all-star. Hits a home run in the World Series. Making $21 million next year, but it's only one year. Who cares? You have Jock Peterson, Yasiel Puig. Who do you think is going to be? Yeah, you got Kike out there, and you guys got coming up. Who's going to be your starting three out there for the opening opening day next year? As of right now, I would say 
it's probably going to be Puig in right, Bellinger in center, and I would think Taylor in left. Maybe Kemp, uh, but those are the two I would consider starting in left on opening day. Okay. So do you move Peterson? Like, there's something something's going to give with the outfield. By my count, there's uh yeah, you have like six guys signed for the outfield right now, and that doesn't count Chris Taylor, who's a swing guy. Andrew Tolls, Yasiel Puig, Alex Verdugo, Cody yep. Bellinger, oh, Verdugo, yeah, Kike Hernandez, Chris Taylor, Jock Peterson, and Matt Kemp. That's yep. eight. Yeah, something's got to give. I mean, you guys got you guys have people coming up through the system as well. You I mean, yeah, you could, I don't think they'll be called up, but you know, you could have a starting pitcher, and you could have the rest of the entire team one of your outfielders like yeah it's it's crazy how many there are so yeah like i said something's something's got to give they can't have that many starting caliber outfielders. you have two full outfields up in there yeah, yeah. You do. that can play they can that can play what do you think of alex verdugo do you think you package him do you think you you trade away a jock peterson and a puig i mean they were talking about a puig jbj swap earlier last year puig's only in his last year of arbitration so i doubt you give him big money just specifically with Puig, he was so before last season. There was the Puig for JBJ uh, potential swap that was reported after it was shot down uh, in the middle of the season, at, like the waiver deadline. It turned out that the Dodgers were trying to get something to work with the Nationals for Puig and Harper. And then we've already heard uh, reports that the Indians are targeting Puig and any sort of starting pitcher deal. So. I don't think that the Dodgers are very apprehensive to move him. He's clearly a fan favorite. He's which, a character, that's for sure. Yeah, but you know, last year before he's a free agent, I mean, most of the time when you only have one year of control left, it's nice to have that person, but they're not, you know, if you can replace them with someone who you'll have control over for five, six years moving forward, starting that one year early is typically no big deal. Yeah, and I mean, they had the he had the problem with the whole organization. He got sent down to the minors, all his Snapchat stuff, and yeah, and all that stuff. So I know the organization's iffy on him, but one year left, and I mean, this this outfield's crowded. Jock Peterson only has two years left. Is he even going to be there? And you got Alex coming up. So I don't know. I feel like something's got to break there. But I think you're right with the outfield. Who's going to be there? I think they'll play it safe and. You know, maybe something deadline next year. Maybe they send Puig and Peterson somewhere for a pitcher or or something because, you know, starting pitching-wise, you guys are very good top-heavy. But the 3-4-5 is interesting. The bullpen is, I think, a big a big question mark for you. Yeah, I think, ultimately, I think some of these outfielders got to go and they're going to be targeting relief. I'm assuming that's, that's going to be their main goal. Uh, Verdugo's absolutely ready i think he hit somewhere around 335 in AAA. yeah he was well over 300 last uh 330 i think it was 329 329 yeah he had a friendly competition with tolls to see who could who could end the season with the higher average and he kind of blew tolls away um he's he's absolutely ready and i think that if they're not going to bring him up this year they need to trade him as soon as they have an opportunity because i don't think that it makes any sense to keep him down in AAA any longer. So, you know, he something's got to happen with him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I, I think you could get a big haul for him, too. Speaking of pitching and your health there, obviously Kershaw's back for better or for worse. He's there. 
he's going to be your one or two with Walker Buehler. I mean, that's set in stone. Obviously, Walker Buehler is absolutely filthy. Uh, years to come with that guy. Team control, arbitration. You're going to have him forever. Uh, some interesting names in there, though, after that. you got a guy like Ross Stripling, who was a bullpen guy, came over to starting when you guys were injured this year. Really was a huge backbone for you guys. Urias is listed in relief. But... Yeah, Urias. I don't know if he's going to come up or not, like if he's going to be ready next year. Yeah, again, Alex Wood and Rich Hill, some older guys that are hurt. You know, you got Ryu back there one year left. And then you got Maeda, who's here forever. But he can kind of bounce around. All right, so, so say... This is exactly how it is, opening day 2019. Yeah, this is what you got. Yeah. Yep. These yeah, are what we got. So, so Clayton Kershaw's opening opening day, yep. set in stone. His arm could fall off, and that's still, as long as he's on the team, he's he's the opening day starter every time. Yep. 100%. He could have no fingers, and he would throw. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, saying Walker's the number two. Yep. Performance-wise, he could be the number one, God forbid, but... He totally could be, but he's going to be number two. And from there, it's going to be kind of interesting. Uh, Hill could be the number three. Maeda could be the number three. Ryu could be. Um, but I say it's some combination of those three. Okay, so that's going to be the three, four, five, Hill, Ryu, and Wood. I mean, Maeda, sorry. Yeah, and see, like, there's another thing they could do, because like the outfield, they could probably do two separate sets of five-man rotation. Yeah, they really could. Outside of those guys, they have they still have Alex Wood. They have Ross Stripling, who is an all-star last year. He was unreal this year. Yeah. Um, and then I was not expecting Urias to make any postseason rostered. And, you know, he proved me. I mean, that was I was blown away that he was even there and pitching quite well. So that was surprising. So I'm assuming he's – I mean, he's a starter long-term, so I'm assuming he's going to be ready for that role. And then – Dennis Santana, he he was pitching just a bit for us last year. He's another prospect that's ready to be up, but he had a shoulder issue. Like his one appearance up, he had a shoulder issue. And so he was out for the season, but he should be ready to be up as well. So there's a lot there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got a lot of question marks. And that's why I think the offseason is going to be interesting. And it's good to kind of do this now just to see what everyone looks like because the Dodgers have no indication of moving any of these guys. You know, they haven't made any like, hey, we want to move, I don't know, Wood or Stripling or Rich Hill. They're pretty set in stone. Yeah, it's wild. So you guys, you have guys like Stripling and Wood and Santana and, you know, even a guy like uh, Urias who's coming off an injury. The bullpen. I know Kenley Jansen's your guy, the Dodgers closer. I mean, when he's healthy, he's great, obviously. Um, and well, you know what? He needs to be, yeah, he needs to also be like managed the right way, too. But that's a whole nother story. Yeah. So your ninth inning guy is going to be Jansen. You have another, you know, plethora of players down there in the bullpen. Who's a seven and eight guy? No particular order, but, you know, Say Walker Buehler goes six innings. Who's getting the ball seven, eight, nine? So, <laughs> as weird as it would have been to hear, like prior to the 2018 year, Pedro Baez is your second best reliever. Yep. <laughs> um, and it's crazy to go from remember in the 2017 season, he was there was a point where he was being booed at home, and Dave Roberts got pretty pissed off about that, and. Seriously, like 365 days later, it's like 
can we get Baez into this World Series game right now? And so that's pretty crazy. I would say he's probably the eighth inning guy. And uh, my personal favorite reliever is Tony Singrani. Uh, I think, yeah, I, seriously, I think uh, if he were healthy last year, I think he would have been the best reliever on the team, considering Jansen struggled quite a bit. He was, uh, he was really good right after the Dodgers acquired him in uh, 2017. And then he was really, really good in his 20 innings that he was able to do in the first like quarter of this year. I mean, he missed most of the year, but he, everything was pointing to him being great for you know moving forward. So the main things that need to get figured out are catcher and second base. That doesn't necessarily mean any signings or trades have to happen that just means that they right and see in my opinion the whole roster is too stacked to have it stay the same going into next season uh it just doesn't make sense for me in my opinion that they would keep everything the same considering they have so much depth to deal with that they should i think jump on that now yeah yeah and see it depends on it depends on what you think about what uh, what level of comfort matters to players. I'm sure it's different than others. Some need to start every day, regardless of performance. It's tough to say, really. I mean, there, there's so many things they can do. And I think a lot of it's going to have to revolve around the outfield and the bullpen. I think they have to trade outfielders and bring in relievers. That just That's pretty much a given for me. How they do that, I don't know, but it's going to happen some way or the other. Biggest piece that you think the Dodgers acquired this offseason? Interesting. So I'm in. Because uh, we heard, we've heard Kluber rumors. Right. That would Bye. surprise me as much as I would love it. That would surprise me if they can make that happen, do it right now. But I think I'm inclined to say Harper. I can't see them making any huge free agent signings outside of that. Right. So they're going to make a run, you think? I th- yeah, I think if if he will sign here, I mean, I think that's I think that's anyone's concept who's in the bidding for them. If he'll sign there, right. then, yeah, all hands on deck. Make it happen. So, yeah, they tried to trade for him, so I'm sure they're going to try and sign him. And the thing with that is also Harper's an everyday starter no matter what. So that's eight outfielders over two positions. And you basically have to lock Cody in, in my opinion. Right. So now we have seven outfielders over one position. So I feel like you could easily see a big trade for a guy like a Kluber or a Baumgartner, where you know you get like a you know Peterson Puig. Where you move Tolls. Yeah, you move like a Taylor yeah. Peterson Puig and prospects for them because I feel like this organization loves Taylor. Though. I think they do too, but he's a very valuable piece to move to a team like the Indians. Francona would love a Chris Taylor, cheap. Oh. Yeah, he would love Can him. play everywhere, great with the bat, good discipline, like such a good player for that. Jock Peterson, a good he's like a Jay Bruce type for them. Yeah. Would fit in perfect. Yeah. You know, and then you get like a prospect thrown in there, not a uh you know, not a number one, but a guy You get a twenty to thirty. Yeah, not even that. Maybe a guy like Will Smith or something. You know, they need another catcher out there in uh Yeah, it's ever since they, they gave him here. So like, you know, something like that where it's like, you know, would Will Smith really break the bank? Not really. 
And those right. other guys are very expendable. And if you sign Harper, then he replaces them. So I'm sure a lot could go with that. It's going to be very interesting. I think the Dodgers have a play at Harper. If anything, it's just going to drive up the, the cost, basically. Maybe they like maybe they price out a Chicago. Maybe they price out an Atlanta. Yeah, maybe even. they just make like, Philly instead of spending three hundred and fifty on Harper. Maybe maybe you know, spend now they have to spend four hundred because LA says, "Hey, we'll give you three seventy five. And Harper says, "Hey, I really like Philly, but I need four hundred million." And then Philly's like, "Well, whatever." At this point, yeah, it's funny because like, see, like an auction style more for that, where the Dodgers it's like a win-win for him either way because they can totally afford to sign him and so if they outbid someone and they sign him that's great for them and if the bidding goes up so high that someone outbids them at a ridiculous price that's a win too so yeah and they have it yeah and it's one of those things though it's like if you if you get in that bidding war for harper right with philly let's say it's philly because i think that's where harper's gonna wind up going if you get in that bidding war with them, that basically eliminates them from getting a Machado and creating, you know, just getting signing two superstars in an offseason because they spent so much money on Harper at that point. It's probably going to be 50 more, 50 more million than they thought they were going to. And it's going to be really hard to convince an owner, hey, we need Manny Machado too after you spent $400 million on Bryce Harper. Uh, the interesting thing is I don't think that Bryce Harper, Harper, Harper will sign anywhere until Machado has signed. I think that... You think he lets Machado set the market? Yeah, because I think Harper is going to go for the biggest contract in the entire league. Right. Yeah, he doesn't want Manny to upstage him. And Machado has to set that. Yeah, and I think that makes sense too because Machado is the lesser of them, even though I think Machado is a better baseball player than Harper. But... Yeah, that's Dave's That is my hot take. I think think Machado is a better baseball player. But... Yeah. You know, they could do it. And, you know, for a team that is so high on the luxury tax, which is, you know, the Dodgers, they have so much money coming off the books in the next two years. Look at all the dead money in 2019 coming off the books in 2020. Yeah, look at all the money coming off in 2020. I mean, you're going to lose Justin Turner, Kim. which is a big deal. So you probably resign him. But is he going to make more than $20 million? I don't know. But you lose Kemp, you're not going to sign him. You lose Hill, Ryu. Um, you lose another guy. Oh, David Freeze. You lose Cashmere's money. You lose um, all those other guys in the dead money. You're gonna gain back like sixty million dollars, seventy million dollars. We're we're upwards of fifty, sixty million right there. Yeah, and guys that you know, look at Bellinger arbitration forever, yeah. Muncy arbitration forever, uh, Seager till twenty twenty, Taylor till twenty twenty one, and guys like Chuck Peterson, Yasiel Puig. You're not gonna pay them. So toll. Shout out to the Dodgers for still paying Scott Kasner, yeah, by right. the way. So, I mean, the money's there, and it's going to be there. Walker Buehler, another guy that won't be getting paid $80 million Forever. for a while, even if he gets paid $20 million in arbitration in four years. I mean, that's... Till 2024. 